Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. I want to apologize for my extra raspy voice today. Mama went out maybe two nights in a row. And as it goes with age, I just can't handle it anymore. So these things happen. All right, kids. Today, we're talking about sports. And not just any sport. The most popular sport in the world. No, no, my American friends. Not football. Soccer. Or as the Europeans call it maybe while rolling their eyes, American football. American football? Okay, I'm not an accent person, obviously. Today, I talked to my friend Akash Jain, the VP of Strategy and Planning for Major League Soccer. Akash has worked for the NBA, opening the first ever NBA offices in India, for the NFL, for USTA, and now for MLS. Needless to say, this guy knows the sports industry. We talk about FIFA World Cup coming to the U.S. in 2026 after like 30 years, guys. This is going to be amazing. Why historically soccer hasn't been as popular of a sport here. And then we get to swap some stories about our time in India together. Please enjoy my interview with Akash Jain. Welcome back to New York. We're glad you guys are back after a nine-month hiatus or whatever it was. Let's talk about Major League Soccer. And I'm going to be asking you some basics here because I am American and some of us are very dumb about soccer. So you're going to have to like go with this. All right. I'm new to it, so I'm going to try my best. All right. Yeah, I'm going to ask you some Wikipedia questions. I think you'll know it. Okay, so your your role right now, you are currently leading league-wide strategy and long-term planning with a focus on fan engagement. Revenue generation and operational efficiency. And I got that from LinkedIn. So that's the official role that you have. So let's start with the basics. Obviously, Major League Soccer is the Men's Professional Soccer League. The league is compromised of 28 teams, and it's going to be 29 soon? Yeah, 28 teams. We just um, started our 28 team just started in Charlotte um, this past weekend. So exciting time. And then St. Louis is going to launch next season for 29. And we are in discussions for a potential 30th club. Uh, timeline for that's TBD, um, but talking to some potential owners in Vegas, um, which is nice. exciting. So uh, this is my first dumb question. Um, are these leagues just based on who has the money, who's willing to like, invest in it? I mean, I mean, so it's interesting and complicated questions. So certainly... To own a franchise is obviously a significant investment. And now, you know, the, the value of our franchises and sort of the get in price has increased significantly, you know, over the last four or five years. So, so, you know, franchises that have joined or sold recently, depending on the market, four or five hundred million dollars. That's the get in price to obviously own, own the franchise and then be part of the league. Um, and then from there, there's a lot of different levers um, that the league pulls to be able to maximize revenue and economics. 
And a lot uh-huh. of it is shared across all the team owners, and then some of it is is retained. Um, but I won't get into the complexity of that for now. Okay. Yeah, let's keep it basic because otherwise right. I'll, yeah. <laughs> um, so how does how does that compare to prices in Europe for owning a team? It's much less than in Europe. Okay. Right at the moment, and we're you know we're a league that's 25 years old, so we're right. you know relatively young um, as compared to all others. And certainly, the clubs in, in particularly in in England, the Premier League, Germany, Bundesliga, and, and Spain, La Liga, you know those have been uh, sort of at the top of the top, right of, of global soccer. And so you know the majority of their franchises. Um, are in the billions. So if you look at the Premier League, you know, it's really driven by the top six, which are all uh, in the billion billion multiples. So those are the Chelsea's and the Man City's, Man U's, you know, Liverpool's. But, you know, the, the bottom half of, of those leagues were probably not too far off of. Okay. Um, and part of that is just driven by, again, they've been around a lot longer. Right, they've right. They've had history and legacy with their brands and their fan bases. Um, and, you know, at the moment they're generating significantly more revenue, which is uh, a big part of driving their franchise values. Right. Right. Um, Cause you guys were founded in 94, right? After yeah. hosting the FIFA world cup. Okay. Exactly. And then another Wikipedia fact, uh, <laughs> the big six, you got soccer is considered one of the big six uh, major professional sports league, not the big four, I guess, which is football, baseball, tennis, What's the big four? Yeah. Is that it? Well, it depends on where you are in the world too, right? So um, you and I spent some time in, in, in India where cricket is, is obviously huge. Um, and so it just depends on, on a bit where you are in the world and how you want to how you want to define that. Right. What, what, what about the U.S. though? Are you guys considered the big six for U.S.? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think in the U.S. certainly football um, is, is king. So right. NFL. And, and college football, if you sort of combine those two, um, then baseball, basketball, hockey, and we're sort of nipping on the heels um, right after that. Okay. So we're getting there. Yeah. Maybe big four eventually, right. right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. First, just curiosity. I guess, how would you guys define your define your relationship with the NWSL and then FIFA? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so, you know... NWSL, um, just I think I would characterize it as just good partners and collaborators to be okay. able to grow the sport. Um, obviously, two separate leagues and entities. Um, there is some crossover in ownership. Um, so an owner of an NWSL team either would own an MLS team or have an interest as a minority owner. Obviously, it depends market by market. But ultimately... I think we've we've got similar objectives to be able to grow um, the sport of soccer, um, whether that's female or male, whoever's playing it, and then grow fans, you know, of, of soccer as well. Right. And then FIFA, uh, again, great working relationship. So FIFA obviously is a global governing body, um, and then in in the U.S. specifically, U.S. Soccer um, is the governing body, so we'll have a direct relationship with FIFA um, across a variety of activities. Um, but but clearly, you know, us being the leading men's professional league, got a great relationship with FIFA, 
Um, and again, you know, we'll always look to collaborate to be able to, to, to grow the sport. Um, okay. Their purview is obviously global and, right. and ours uh, obviously is, is here in the U.S. So FIFA is not like an umbrella over MLS. No, because we're a private professional league, so okay. it's a bit different. So professional leagues, obviously, general generally governed by you know the the owners of the franchises. That that's that's who our board is, and then there's the governing bodies of the sport. So if you look at sort of the umbrella is FIFA globally, and then each country will have a federation. Um, which is part of the FIFA umbrella. So again, in the U.S., that's the U.S. Soccer Federation, and Canada right. has a soccer federation, and Mexico will have a soccer federation, and those countries are are under the FIFA umbrella. Interesting. Okay. All right. So let's go a little bit of history uh, lesson, if, if you can. If not, then don't worry about it. So I know we we hosted the, the FIFA World Cup in '94. Would you say that's when soccer started gaining popularity? Uh, in the U.S. and then also, I guess when was soccer introduced to the U.S. because it was always kind of a European game, right? When I don't know. That's a good history lesson. Okay, uh, that I have to look up. Obviously, right. you know, I think soccer is obviously as a sport been here quite some time. I, I think in terms of the popularity, certainly uh, the '94 World Cup was a huge spark, um, and MLS was was born from that, uh, and, and so that really started in terms of the domestic league and domestic market, um, I think huge, huge growth. But then I, I think over the last couple of decades, the interest in soccer has exploded for a variety of, of reasons, uh, and I think part of that is the... Um, distribution of, of media content across platforms. And so all of the global soccer leagues have gotten more and more interested in the U.S. as a market. And so, you know, the Premier League came in and partnered with NBC and started broadcasting games early Saturday and Sunday mornings um, and started to really work with NBC to promote, you know, in a, in a big, big way. Right. So over the last 10, 15 years, They've really grown significantly in popularity here um, in in the U.S. And again, over the last decade, Bundesliga and La Liga um, have have done similar things. Uh, and then some of the big global clubs within those leagues have started to really invest in the market. So whether that's PSG doing some really cool things with the Jordan brand and driving the lifestyle side of their brand. Um, Bayern Munich, which is a huge club in, in the German league, um, you know, has an office in New York with people who are driving a, a variety of fan engagement and, and content activities to, you know, a lot of the European league clubs are doing, um, you know, deals with local soccer promoters to launch soccer camps and academies and things like that to be able to help engage youth, but also build their brand. Well, it feels like, at least, I don't know about you guys growing up, it feels like soccer has always been a very popular youth sport, right? Like everyone, I played soccer, everyone I know played soccer as right. a kid, yeah. you know, and then it didn't go beyond that. Uh, so it's it's interesting that it's so popular, you know, for for the youth, but then it hasn't translated to professional teams. Yeah. And, and to your point, soccer in terms of, of grassroots participation, super strong, like, right. right. We all played, we all want our kids to play and, and relatively easy 
um, low barrier to entry. You need a ball and field you right, know, to get right. started. Um, and I think part of the reason that you know it took a while in the U.S. is one, there wasn't a U.S. league until 25 years ago. Um, and so the economics and career opportunities, you know, weren't as defined here. Um, and so as they got bigger and bigger in Europe, you know, the top talent from the U.S. was going there to play because the economics were there. So, right. um, so that's something that we're obviously, you know, looking to change and continue to build and grow our, our league. Right. Um, but I think all of those reasons, you know, have helped to really spark growth for, um, the soccer industry, you know, in the, in this market over the last couple of decades. Right. I mean, I was assuming, you know, that a lot of it just had to do with basic advertising dollars. So I was reading some articles and lots of people have opinions on why soccer hasn't been popular historically. So yeah, they mentioned advertising dollars. They mentioned not being as good as European teams. Like we're just not as good as those other teams. So we don't want to deal, deal with it. Right. Um, Another another interesting opinion was Americans can't stand a tie. They want someone to win, right? They don't, they don't they don't want to invest two hours of their lives or whatever, um, and then end with a tie. Is that? Do you think the same thing? I, I mean, I think all of those things are changing. I think it's it was really the the economics and the the, the competition and really media distribution, right. Um, because, you know, when you and I were growing up, we either had only a few channels or then we had cable and we probably couldn't really watch Premier League and La Liga and Bundesliga. Now, again, over the last 20 years, you've got so many different platforms, OTT, social and digital, that you have access to the best of the best. And so kids who are growing up now as sports fans can, you know, watch Chelsea and Man U and the Champions League and um, La Liga, et cetera. So I, I think the tie thing is a bit of a misnomer because there are soccer fans in the U.S. and it's exploded over the last couple of decades. And, right. um, you know, now we're a player with within that. Um, and the unique thing about MLS from a competitive standpoint is we actually have the most unique competitive dynamics of any sports league in the world. How's that? We compete with the big four, which you talked about in the U.S. So we compete with the NFL or football, the NBA or basketball, MLB, NHL on one axis. On another axis, we compete with the Premier League and Bundesliga and La Liga, the global soccer leagues who are interested in in growing fans and, and building a business here in this market. And right. so it's just a really, really unique position that, that we're in yeah, um, totally. competing across the board. So, so you're focusing, I know, I think on, uh, on fan engagement, is that correct? The building fan engagement. Uh, I get, and if you are, what does that mean? How do you make soccer, soccer more popular in the USA? What, what do you, what are you guys thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big areas of focus for us is, as you said, fan fan growth and engagement. Right. Um, and and I think most leagues, in a very simple way, look at it as as a funnel. Um, okay. So we want to drive real broad interest and awareness at the top of the funnel, um, and you can do that through a variety of different ways: PR, communications, brand building distribution of your content uh, across a variety of different platforms. Um, and so, oh, and 
you know, just getting people to go out to a game and, and sample our product live. Um, it's, it's, it's actually an amazing experience live if you go to, um, to the stadium and see the passion of our fans. And so if we can start to get you interested at the top of the funnel, then um, we really start to talk about engagement. So how can we get you to attend more games how can we get a fan to watch a game on television? Or, or get connected to a certain player, right? Yeah, like get feel- connected to a player through social media or buy a jersey, uh, you know, or start playing a digital game or a fantasy game or buy a video game. These are obviously all different touch points that we can serve up to, to fans to continue to drive engagement. Um, and then if you start to really... Um, show strong interest and engage. There's a variety of different things you can do. You can become a season ticket holder. Um, you can get into, you know, the league or club's database and get, get a variety of different offers teed up. Um, and, you know, hopefully what we continue to do is get, get people interested in the funnel at the top and then continue to drive your engagement so that you are a fan. And then you're bringing other people in, your kids, your friends, your family, whatever it might be to be able to grow. Um, and a league and, and clubs, we have to do that together. Right. Because ultimately, as you drive engagement with, with all leagues, generally you're a fan of a team, you know, or a player or, or, or both. Um, and yeah, I and mean, that's what's really driving your ongoing engagement. Um, and, and hopefully you show your passion for that club or player. Out of curiosity, is, who is the best team in the league right now? If you had to like, name um, it's a good question. So, um, our season just started on Saturday, the, the okay. new season for, for 2022. Um, yeah, New York City, um, FC won the championship, um, this past season. So certainly a strong contender coming back. They played Portland, um, in, in the final. Um, again, another strong contender. New England, um, was the top, um, a club at the at the in the regular season, um, they were they were at the top of the points table. Um, so I think you know all of those are, are interesting ones. But you know, start of the season, um, everyone feels like that they've got a chance, which is why it's an exciting time. That's awesome. I actually really do want to go to a game, so I'm going to make Let's you give me a ticket. Um, so the women's team, can we say that you know they are a big reason why there has been excitement? in soccer in the U.S.? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, the women's, the the U.S. women's national team has been dominant globally um, for, for years and years. Um, And, you know, won world cups and a number of, of other, you know, major, major trophies. And so that has been a massive driver of just excitement and growth in the sport, being able to really promote, you know, broadly um, women and girls in athletics, which has been really exciting. Um, you know, they have tremendous superstars, you know, who are global stars and, and can be identifiable for, for any young player, you know, boy or girl. And, you know, I think they have played a really, really important role in, in a variety of, of equality and social justice areas, you know, most recently, um, you know, they were negotiating with the U.S. Soccer Federation for, for equal pay. 
um, which clearly a, an important issue, um, which, which, which both the men and women were standing together um, to be able to fight for. So, um, yeah, huge, huge, important spark for, for the growth of the sport. Yeah, I find it. I was about to ask you about the pay thing, so glad you said that. Um, but it, it is interesting because historically, traditionally, most—I mean, sadly—most audiences and, and fans are, are drawn to professional sports because of men's teams. So it's it's pretty cool, and I don't know if it's random or what it is about soccer that the women's team was able to kind of elevate. Yeah, I mean, I think the the development system has been strong, where they've been able to develop really good good talent. Um, have have created just a strong system and team to be able to accomplish what they have, and I think it's an interesting time, you know, as well. Yeah. Not only women's soccer, um, the WNBA. I would say over the last couple of years has really raised its profile in a variety of ways, from different partners that they've brought on board to they just did a big round of funding, which I think they raised about seventy five million dollars. Um, through a variety of, of private investors, but also interesting companies like Nike and, and others um, to continue to, to, to grow the WNBA. Um, you know, and, and from a team sports perspective, I think that's been great. Individual sports, I think women um, have, have really excelled when you look at tennis and golf, where they have some of the best athletes in the world, big global superstars, and and so I think there's strong interest there that I hope to continues to to do we see that in, in women's team sports as well. Our daughters are gonna be playing professional tennis, right? Yes. Well, at least I'm at least I'm forcing We're on trying, you right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hit the ball. Hit the ball. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so you've worked with the NBA, which we'll talk about a little bit, NFL, USTA, you're with MLS now. What is it about MLS that makes it unique? after after all this experience that you've had? Yeah, the unique thing for me um, was really the growth opportunity. A little bit more of a startup mentality. Actually, when I was talking to a few people about the opportunity, they characterized it as a, a 25-year-old startup, you know, which was interesting, um, but, but sort of, you know, ambitious and, and scrappy to really take advantage of the opportunity. You know, and for me, the, the 2026 World Cup that's going to be happening in North America is just going to be such a generational opportunity um, for the sport and, and then obviously for our league. And so to be able to collaborate, you know, across our league, our clubs and our partners to be able to create a roadmap for, you know, what do we want to be really in 2027, one year after the World Cup? What are our aspirations and, and how do we really maximize the opportunity? Um, I think it's really exciting. And, and we have expanded rapidly into markets across the U.S. You know, over the last decade. And so all of those clubs are just building sort of their brand, their fan bases, their legacies. And so to be able to work with them, I think, is, is super exciting. I mean, Charlotte is a great example. They've just done a tremendous job in building their fan base. And they're pointing towards their first home match here the next week to potentially have the largest ever crowd um, at an MLS game. So they're, they're, they're trying to beat what we've had in Atlanta previously uh, around 70,000. So they're trying to get 75,000 people in, in their stadium to come out. And so, yeah, it's just a, a really exciting time 
with with some of these new clubs as well as we build towards the 2026 opportunity. That's awesome. I was just about to ask you, you know, 2026. First, it took, what, 30 years to come back here? Yeah. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, right? yeah, it, it is. It okay. Is. W- was there a reason for that or was it just because too much competition? I think a lot of competition and I think it just took time for um, this unique opportunity um, okay. which is a North American World Cup. And so the bid is U.S., Canada, and Mexico, right? All three markets coming together to be able to to, to host this, this amazing event platform. And so I, I think that was just uh, uh, something that had to come together in a unique time. And all three of the, the countries being able to now focus on what's the roadmap for us to be able to not only put on the event, um, but grow the sport and, and really leave a legacy in, in all those markets. And hopefully by 2026, I mean, who knows, but we'll be out of this pandemic somehow and people are going to want to come out. Fingers <laughs> you know? crossed. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Like knock on yeah, all kinds exactly. of wood. I'm just yeah. and you've, thinking like. You've probably seen the World Cup in other countries or even when it's happening in another country, you know, how people just come out and celebrate you know that together it seems like the perfect post-pandemic celebration yes yeah, exactly it's a global <laughs> like, celebration right everyone's coming right. together um and and you know it's something that that we're looking forward to because a lot of the, the games will be in markets where we have teams right and so it's a great opportunity for our teams to be able to capitalize on just an amazing amount of buzz and excitement um you know and so whether that's um, viewing parties or celebrating the many players that, that are in our league that will be playing in the World Cup to just bringing in new fans, you know, kids that are getting excited and hearing about um, this this amazing global event. Um, it's it's going to be huge. And, and, you know, the final, which you probably always watch with a ton of friends, is just a, a big party and culmination of that. No so. kidding. Any, anything we can, any excuse, right? Right. Marcos? Yes. Uh, no, I'm excited. I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Um, okay. Since I am focusing on South Asians in this podcast, are there any South Asians in soccer that we should know about? Uh, I'm sure there are, um, <laughs> okay. that ones that I can personally name so <laughs> okay. probably cool by my part. It's okay. Our kids again, <laughs> yeah. kick the ball, kick the ball. It'll be our kids. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay. I want to talk about India uh, a little bit we won't, we won't dive deep, but it was a very unique journey that you went through. And so you established the first NBA office in India. So I'm going to ask you a, a few cheesy podcast questions. Um, so, you know, looking back, you were there, what, five years, I think? Just uh, Yeah, just under five. Five years. Um, you know, building something for the first time in India like that. What, looking back, what do you think your biggest takeaway from that experience was? And what are your feelings now towards it all? Yeah, I mean, big, big takeaways. Um just just such a unique and diverse market and i don't think people realize how diverse the market really is from a regional standpoint you know whether that's language culture cuisine you know whatever it might be so you you can't just have a pan india strategy you really have to understand the nuances uh, across the board india is unique monster takes a lot of patience um you know we we had a 5 year view um, when we when we started out uh, with the NBA and, and quickly realized that we probably needed a ten year view, 
um, to, to maximize the opportunity, um, which is hard, right? It's hard for, you know, big, aggressive multinational companies to have that type of patience. And it takes a unique um, brand building and investment strategy, uh, I think, to really be able to, to maximize the opportunity there because you really have to understand the differences in consumer behavior and segmentation um, because there's such a dichotomy uh, as you've experienced in India. Um, and so it's, uh, it, it, it's an amazing market, but one that you really need patience and I believe a long-term view. Um, I love to, how you said really patience like Boris. <laughs> yeah. you, 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 you sound like Boris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all experienced, you know, working there. And it's, you know, I try to tell people like, it's just different. Like we grew up in the U.S., you know, we were we were used to working in, in a in a Western world, and you know, I've spent a lot of time working in New York, which is super fast paced and results right. oriented. Not that India isn't; it's just at a different, um, you, you know, pace um, that, that you special, have to, special yeah, pace, have to get yeah. used to. But <laughs> look, as I look back on it now, it was um, just an amazing experience. Both personally and professionally. Um, obviously, my parents grew up there. So to be able to go there um, and work and, and try to build something that was hopefully going to have a positive impact on society, um, but also you know build a unique business um, was amazing. I got uh, was really blessed to have the opportunity to travel you know all around India, work with people all over the, the, the country and really, you know, met amazing people that were doing just incredible things, um, you know, in the market. So be able to network and learn from, you know, all of them was, was really awesome. And, and we were really fortunate to be there at a time where, you know, I think there was a lot of, of South Asians like us, you know, in a similar age group that were really excited about the market and wanted to come and, and build something. And so, um, you know, we've made um, sort of, friends for life, you know, coming out of that. And so really look back fondly and, you know, um, both of my children were born there, uh, which was another amazing experience that, that my wife and I had. And so really want them to always um, identify and, and sort of have a piece of it. So, you know, hopefully be able to take them back yeah. um, regularly. Well, they'll have, they have a huge connection there, right? Yeah, um, for sure. I got to say that the back to the whole patience thing, I, I, uh, when we got to India, right, I think right after you guys around there, um, Bart's hair was 80% black. <laughs> so I got to say, I've your, somehow your hair, maintained it, you yeah. somehow maintained. I don't yeah. know what happened, but you got away with it. Now it's 80% white. Like, right. And yeah. India was probably like mostly to do with that. Right. Because of the, yeah. the word patience, right? Right, right. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to do with you. It was mostly India. I was totally chill. <laughs> I mean, he was never um, worried about me. It's totally fine. Yeah. Now, it's a different monster, but um, yeah. I, I do tell people that if you can go there, it's an amazing opportunity. And the skills and experiences that you can take out of that market, right. I think will just take you a long way and you'll be able to apply that in a variety of different ways. It really is like a life lesson, man. Like, totally. Like, anywhere, anywhere you go outside the country, just trying and working in a whole new culture, even though we are Indian Americans, but still working there, playing every daily day-to-day -day stuff is it's just a whole different beast. 
going to have to be open-minded and, and you're going to meet and learn from a lot of diverse people. Um, right. And, um, so hopefully if you are open-minded and willing to take on that experience, it, it can be really beneficial. I try to explain to people the stress and it sounds so ridiculous to say, but the stress of having a cook and a maid and a driver and having like a staff. Yeah. As you, you know, my wife, Tina, she, you <laughs> yeah. know, she went through that and it's just a different, it's a different experience because now yeah. you you haven't you've gone from you know whatever you've experienced in the U.S. to having to manage a household in a, in a, just a different way, right? Um, right, right. And just it's I, I think it, it in a way just builds your management skills right in a different environment. I don't even know. Yeah, it built something for sure. Because yeah. I was like, when we left, I was like, what just happened to our life? Like, what just happened? Yeah, exactly? we were super. Got- we were all probably super fortunate. Like even now, totally. Totally. We had this amazing nanny who grew up in an orphanage, um, you know, and had nothing. Um, and she educated herself and built a career for herself. Um, and we were just fortunate to actually have her in our home yeah. when our kids were, you know, just being born and super young. That's huge. Um, and we're still in touch with her. Like we still talk to her. Um, she'll call us on holidays and is really interested in seeing how we're doing. And whenever we go to India, we're able to see her. So, um, that's one of the really kind of positive experiences that came out of having to figure out how to manage a household. I'm pretty sure Hina wanted her to come here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Our, our really quick, our first uh, cook ended up asking us to be part of our will. And I was like, I think maybe we've crossed that line of friendship. (laughs) So like, that's the stuff we were navigating. But anyways, um, the one thing, the one memory I have uh, seeing you there, we obviously we've hung out, but you came to Delhi, you came many times, but you came to Delhi for an NBA event. And who, who was the basketball star that we met with you? Oh was man, it? there were so many. There were so uh, many, and I, Parth yeah. and I had come to one of the events, and I, and we have a picture all of four of us together, right. and I can't yeah. remember who it was. I think it may have been we had brought Robert Ori to an event. Oh, it wasn't um, Robert Ori because no? that's the biggest crush of you my would have life. known that. From yes, Houston. Yeah. yeah, it was um, something with a D. Dikembe Not, was it? Was it Dikembe Mutombo? Maybe. 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 Yeah, big tall was, there, was there a Dwight Howard there? No. Oh, Dwight Howard, yeah. Yes. Oh, I okay. Think so. That was early days. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This was when Dwight was, was just a few years into the league. Um, and that was an awesome trip because he was definitely the biggest name, um, you know, at that point that we had brought to the market. So we had a interesting trip with him. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, so he and, and a few of his, his guys had come down and we started in Bangalore. Um, because the Indian men's national team was training down there. So we wanted to bring him down to spend some time, uh, obviously, with the national team. And he did a bit of research. You know, his first time in India, you know, relatively young yeah, guy, probably yeah. in his 20s. And the second day he got in, I'm like going over the schedule with him. And he's like, this is all great. But the one thing that I really need to do is I need to see a white tiger. <laughs> This was not on my agenda at, at all. Why not? Um, I don't understand. Gosh, yeah, how can you was, not have that on was, your agenda? I was focused on basketball and, and growing the NBA. Um, and so <laughs> oh my God, I love we, it. we had a great agency that we were working with back then and, and I asked them to do some research. And uh, they, they found um, some sanctuary like an hour, hour and a half outside of Bangalore. 
Okay. And uh, uh, some point during the trip, we grabbed a minibus and and went out there, and and he got to see some white tigers. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And then I think from there we came to Delhi for a variety of different events. I remember actually the big mall in Gurgaon, which is probably not too far from where you were living. Yeah, yeah. Um, we sort of took over um, the mall and had a two that's day. That's probably where we came. Event. I'm yeah. assuming that's where we came. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. My God, the stories that come out of that country after like working there. Yeah. Barth, Barth had a, a three idiot story. Did I tell you this one? No. Did you see the movie Three Idiots? Yeah, of course. Where that Amir that Khan. kid that kid made that speech and he said the wrong <laughs> word because they tricked him. Oops. Because <laughs> he was trying to speak Telugu or something. I was going to ask you, was it? Yeah, the, no, the it wasn't Hindi. He knows oh, Hindi, yeah. uh, but but he was trying so hard to, <laughs> to connect to yeah. like with with the South Indians and oh, no. yeah, I was like Jesus Christ. Seriously, uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, one of many fun stories. One of many, many fun stories. <laughs> um, and I guess I just, just wondering what's currently happening now with the NBA in India. Are you in touch with everyone there? Yeah, in touch with a lot of people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful to be a small part of the journey, but they've done um, an amazing job continuing to build. They have um, an academy there. It's one of their first, you know, professional academies, um, actually in in outside of Delhi, um, which has given uh, a lot of young, both uh, male and female Indian, you know, players opportunities um, around the world. Um, so several have come to the U.S. and playing in the G League or high school or or women's um, professional leagues. Um, They've continued to to grow their business by distributing content, you know, their live games across the board. Um, a few years ago, they actually had the first ever NBA game. Oh, nice! Um, in in India, yeah, in Bombay, um, the Sacramento Kings really were committed because their owner um, is is Indian, and so he was really really focused on trying to continue to grow the NBA and, and basketball in India. So. So he took his team over, and I think they played the Indiana Pacers in, in a couple of games there, which is obviously a huge, huge undertaking. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. And then they've continued to really do great things to build the lifestyle side of their brand. So I don't know if you saw, but they just had their all-star game in Cleveland. Ranveer Singh. Uh, yeah, a couple of weeks yeah. ago, and Ranveer Singh was there. So it took me back, actually, because Ranveer Singh was there, obviously, experiencing a lot of, of great stuff that the All-Star Weekend has, and he played in their celebrity game. Oh, okay. Uh, which is a cool experience, and I actually had done that um, years ago. We we had the opportunity to connect with Abhishek Bachchan. Oh, I remember that. And he's yeah. a huge Lakers fan. Okay. And so, you know, he wanted to be a part of growing the NBA and, and, and basketball in India, and so he was a great supporter of ours, and... So I had the opportunity to to take him to uh, an all-star game here in New York, actually. Uh, and he got to, you know, meet a ton of players, meet the commissioner, Adam Silver, and also play in the celebrity game, which is just, you know, your could, could Madison, Square, Madison Square Garden. They held their own. They held okay. their own. Okay. Yeah. Um, awesome. But yeah, if you're in Madison Square Garden, you get to play, you know, on the floor there against a bunch of other celebs in front of a crowd. It's a cool, unique experience. And then for us, we were able to create content and broadcast that back into India, which, as you know, the, the Bollywood stars are huge, huge influencers. So right, it, it right. gave us some, some great content to be able to tell our story. 
How fun. I remember the Abhishek thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I saw Rudra saying to him, like, yeah, he was really into it. He, he was really excited. Yeah. It. Yeah. yeah. They've done a great job. So they've, they've, they've continued to grow. So it's been exciting to watch from afar. That's awesome. Must make you tear up a little bit. Okay. Cheesy podcast question you have to answer. Ultimate goal with MLS for you personally. Uh, ultimate goal is really to um, expand it to 30 teams and be one of the top three you know, leagues in, in the U S. Okay. Um, and I think we, we have the ammunition and the roadmap to get there. Awesome. Like we, like we mentioned before, you've worked NBA, USTA, MLS, NFL. What at the end of the day, at the end of your career, would you like to be known for? Uh, wow. That's a good one. End of the career. You're making me look into the crystal ball. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's okay. We'll be partying together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, I, I think building unique and lasting, I want to say businesses, but something even broader than that, um, that, you know, is going to impact, um, youth and have a, have a, have sort of a long lasting legacy. And so, um, so a little bit more of that is, you know, being able to have gone to India and grow basketball, you know, that's going to impact youth with the NFL. I spent a lot of time launching and growing their business and fan base in Germany and yeah. just announced they're going to play a game for the first time in Germany, um, awesome. which is exciting. Um, and then, you know, hopefully continue to accelerate growth of, of MLS, you know, in this market, um, leaving that legacy and all of those, you know, from a sports standpoint, we always want to show that we're also impacting youth in a positive way because sports, as you know, it just has such a unique opportunity to teach some amazing life lessons and bring people together. So it's like music, right? Sports and music are two of the industries, rare industries that we have that no borders, right? It's global. It brings, brings people together. Um, and it's, it's a way to celebrate, but also teach, you know, important life lessons. You know, my kids are playing a bunch of sports and, you know, I try to reinforce to them, like you're meeting some amazing people. You're learning communications, discipline, exercise you know across the board so so yeah but the next question was if your daughter and son if you wanted them to play a professional sport which one would you pick for each of them Ooh, that's great uh i think um for my daughter she's really interested and passionate about tennis yeah um so that would be awesome for her and i played a ton growing up and i'm i still play and passionate about that so that would be awesome for her and the second sport, which I have always loved, is basketball. Okay. Playing as a spectator, et cetera. And thankfully, my son seems to have also um, gained Aww. that passion. So um, That's awesome. Yeah, so it'd be fun for him uh, to, to be able to do that. Um, there's a lot of tall, skinny Indians now, so maybe <laughs> he'll, he'll follow in that path. He'll get there. Yeah. He'll get there. Um, do people outside the U.S. still get annoyed with the word soccer? Definitely. definitely. <laughs> okay. Just, well, it's, they, get, sure. they get annoyed with that and the fact that we call our football or American football football. Okay. Like it doesn't. Why would you do that? Yeah. Okay. So that's just, <laughs> that's always going to be there. Yeah. Always going to be there. Always going to be right, there. All right. All uh, right. One person that would be like your dream partnership or person to work with. Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think one of my idols growing up in basketball and then what he's done kind of 
broadly to, to build a business and impact a variety of communities is Magic Johnson. Right. Nice. So he, uh, he and I both grew up in Michigan, both went to Michigan State, um, and he was obviously one of the greatest NBA players of all time. And then he's just built an amazing empire where, you know, he was bringing things like Starbucks and movie theaters into underserved communities um, and, and obviously making an impact in a variety of different ways. So yeah. that's one that that's, that's sort of comes to mind for me. Throw it out there, Akash, into the world. Yes, we'll see happen. what happens. <laughs> and final question, what would you like to eat for dinner this Friday? Ooh, wow. are you, are, do, you, do you do you trust me to cook are you cooking i am all right i love it what what would you like just you know give me give me a few ideas he knows like we're easy i'm like no no I, this never happens so you know i let, think let our, know. we'll just throw out cuisines uh mexican and asian cuisines all are, right. are our favorites all right um, well so it's from gonna there, happen from there we just want to see your your magic definitely excited to go check out a soccer game live and definitely excited about the World Cup. I think by 2026, all of us are going to need to get out and scream a little. Guys, please follow Major League Soccer. You can go to their website, mlssoccer.com. And they, of course, are on all social media at MLS. You know where to follow me. And please subscribe to my newsletter. It's getting funnier. Ummitucker.substack.com. Thank you guys for listening. This is Tuckered Out.